0: I will tell you a little secret, as it is just you and me patting away in the pub. I'm about to embark on my last big, great adventure, because I'm getting too old for jolly johns across the globe. But in a short while, I'll storm across Britain and rail against the dying of the light in this country and across the borders of humanity. Shortly afterwards, I will travel to the refugee hotspots of Europe, as well as America, so I can begin my next book, which will be about today's refugee crisis, and the one I witnessed in 1945. However, that is for the near future, and right now, I just have you as company, so I'm going to read from my most recent book, Don't Let My Past Be Your Future. In the fading light of an English summer sun, or a quiet beach located on our southern shore, I watched the tide break upon the shore, and surge back towards the deep. Its roar drew me to the water's edge, where I cooled my bare feet, like I had done in 1927, when I visited the sea for the first time. Then I was a man of just four, on a bank holiday outing, to Southport with my parents and older sister, Alberta. It was the first and last vacation I would have with my parents, because two years later, The crash of 1929 destroyed Britain. It ruined us, along with millions of other families who were caught in the violent, buckling of the world's financial tectonic plates that reduced Britain's working class to beggary. Above me, a lonely gull rode slips of air and mournfully screeched out across the empty ether, as if calling for absent friends, lovers, and mates. I understood the birds, Melancholy, because in the wind I heard death whisper that he was coming for me. My life is at eventide, and the curtain of night is closing in upon my time on this earth. I'm almost 100 years old. I know death is waiting for me, but there are still some things that I must do before my life journey is complete. I must set before my grandchildren and others the story of my early life. I must let them know about my struggles and that of my generation to build a more equal country for all, and how that relates to today's politics. I must remind them to be vigilant against demagogues because the ugly specter of fascism has started to stir again across the globe. It was contained once behind the thick walls of a functioning welfare state. But as they have now begun to crumble, all past evils are running out like mice through rotting floorboards. There is so much I must say because I do not wish to suffer the torment my mother endured before she died. She had kept her tongue still, about many regrets in her life. Ah, poor mum. Her guilt was great. It was bigger than the cancerous tumour killing her for sins she thought she'd done to my dad, me, and her other children during the Great Depression era. She begged for my forgiveness for the harm she may have caused me during the 1930s. I was trying to keep thee alive and thy sister, but it was so bloody hard. Whether it is summer or winter, my body is always cold now. I can feel in my bones that same chill I felt as a lad when the icy winds came down off the Yorkshire moors in late autumn. During those days when winter was at our windowsill, my mum would lament, fetch some coal for me mum, and I'll light a fire that will warm our blood. I'll tell you tales of your ancestors who lived in Yorkshire for as long as there has been history written about our land. Now, at the age of 94, I know death is coming for me, and there are not many more. Winters, springs, summers or autumns left for me to see. Each season that now passes is a reminder that it may be the last time I bask in the glow of sunshine. Feel the sting of an autumn rain or sense the cold when snow falls upon my face. Even when I go to sleep, I feel death is waiting for me. I see his visage in the corner of my dreams. He beguiles me in slumber because I often see the dead faces of my parents, my sisters, brothers, wife, and mine, son beckoning me to follow them. Ah, death didn't have as much patience for those I loved as he has had with me. No, he took my sisters, my wife, and one of my sons too soon. It was as if he was in a rush needed to satisfy quickly his appetite for their lives. When death comes for me, I will walk with a calm certitude into his jaws. I'll go willingly to the other side because I've fought death many times. In fact, I've been battling and cheating death since my birth in the slums of Barnsley, where infant mortality was as deadly as it is for kids in many third world countries today. I've been out running death from the moment the midwife slapped my bottom with hands calloused from scrubbing stone floors and rolling coarse shag cigarettes between her fingers. Death didn't catch me when I was a child, because I was too nimble. However, in the 1920s and the 1930s, he didn't have to run far to steal another child's life, because systemic poverty had left millions of bands in Britain susceptible to all manner of diseases or illness. Poverty and societal indifference could make one's time on this earth a brief, fleeting appearance, if you were from the working class. But here I will pause, because my book is over 70,000 words long, and you and I only have this afternoon together, in this pub, while the storm brews outside. I am Harry Leslie Smith. Tara.